Hello everybody, Bradley here, and welcome back into Let's Dive Deep Bridgerton, and boy howdy has my life been busy these past weeks and months, but I have somehow managed to make it back to my microphone today to talk about The Duke and I, Chapter 14, and there's a few things we ought to talk about right off the top. First, I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off at this chapter. Was this an enjoyable chapter to read? Absolutely. Did I enjoy my time sitting there with my eyeballs on the book reading it? Yes, I did. Did anybody have sex in this chapter of Bridgerton? Fucking nope. Nobody did, and it's getting ridiculous. I am uh, 260 pages into this novel that I was told contained much sex, and there has been none of it. And I am, I'm getting antsy. I'm getting a little worried that I was misled about this book and that the show has misled me about this book. But that's, it's got to be in the next chapter. It just has to be in the next chapter. All right, it just has to be. I will lose my mind. My brain will melt out of my ears if in chapter 15, nobody in this novel has sex with somebody else in the book. The next thing I got to talk about real quick is since I have accidentally taken a huge break between podcast episodes, uh, a new Bridgerton show that I was vaguely aware was happening actually released. I had no idea until it came out. And then I was like, oh, shit, how am I going to manage to podcast about this? So just know that I'm working on it. I'm not in a rush. I will watch it. I will podcast about it. It'll be here on the feed. I'm just not hurrying to do it. My life has been real busy lately and unfortunately when life gets busy podcasting kind of has to take a back seat but i will get to the other bridgerton queen charlotte show when i when i have time hopefully over the next couple of weeks as always before we get talking about chapter 14 today there's an adult content warning i am desperate for people in this book to fuck so if that is not what you want to talk about or listen to today then that is that is just your thing and that's fine but please don't listen to this podcast around children there's also a spoiler warning uh, i may be spoiling the first two seasons of the show bridgerton i have not watched queen charlotte so i can't spoil that if it's even relevant at all and i've not read past chapter 14 of this book so i can't spoil any book things past the chapter we are currently talking about. I would also very much like to take this time to read a review. I found this website called Chartable where I can go on and just put Let's Dive Deep Bridgerton in there and it kind of uh, congregates and puts together all the reviews from different places. Now I can read them and it makes me happy. So if you want to leave a review, that'd be cool. Uh, someone left a review that says, this podcast rules, eh? Five stars, of course, because what else are you going to leave this podcast? It's got to be, you can't listen to a podcast about a, a, dude, a white dude in his mid-20s <laughs> solo podcasting about Bridgerton. Like, that has to be a five-star review. There's just no other way to do it. Uh, this review says, He makes me miss my hometown near Detroit slash Ontario, where people are just this delightful. I listen to a lot of podcasts. What you get from this one is so authentically entertaining. Great job, Bradley. Review other things, won't you? All the things, eh? Uh, to whoever wrote this review, I appreciate you, and I would review other things if I had the time to even review this properly, so one day we'll get there. One day enough people will be on the Patreon that I can full-time podcast about whatever stuff that I like, but that day is not today, so let's talk about chapter 14 of The Duke and I. Unsurprisingly, this chapter fucking rules. I love this chapter so much. I had a wonderful time. There is a certain Dora the Explorer aspect to this chapter where it's just hitting all the beats. It's hitting all the tropes. And I, you know the way, man, maybe this is not the audience for this. Although I assume a lot of people listening to this will have had kids who watch Dora the Explorer and I watched Dora the Explorer when I was a kid. So it had this like, you know, when Dora has this voice that she does where it's like, swiper, no swiping. Like, oh no, there's swiper. That's how I felt this entire chapter. I was like, 
Oh no, the inn only has one bed instead of two, so the married couple is going to have to have sex. Oh dear, and she doesn't know what she's doing because her mother refuses how to, to tell her anything about it, so he's going to have to teach her and it's going to be really romantic and fun. Oh no, what a shame. And so that's the that's the voice I went into this chapter with as I was reading it. That's kind of how it uh, worked for me. This chapter works on so many levels. This chapter is super fun for Daphne, who, who hmm, I guess Daphne and Simon in this chapter are kind of going through the motions. They're going through some ups, they're going through some downs, and they are trying to figure each other out. And in this carriage, there's a lot of stuff going on in the carriage. And I want to talk about the, the Duke not wanting to have sex in the carriage part in a minute. But... Their interaction is so, so, so fun. And it's one of those moments that is, again, I think I think when I'm reading this book and when I review most things, I, I try and pull the parts that are most relatable to life because I think that's obviously the most fun thing to do when you're re reading this type of thing and podcasting about it. And that conversation in the carriage just feels like so many conversations. I actually have a person in my life right now who I really struggle with to communicate with, but whom I appreciate very much. And well, this isn't a situation where we just got married and we're on our way to an inn or anything. This kind of conversation just feels like something that I have all the time or that people have all the time where you're sitting there with somebody and you, you want to say something and you know where you want the conversation to go, but you have no idea how to get it started. And you're not exactly sure how the person's feeling. Have they had a good day? Have they had a bad day? Do they want to talk? And maybe the thing you want to talk about is a little bit personal and maybe they're just not in the mood for that and so it's just like this this really this ebb and flow this give and take where you are super comfortable with this person you trust this person so much but it almost makes the conversation a little bit harder to get going and once you get it going it just flies right that's the other part of this is once you get it going there's a lot of chemistry there's a lot of verve there's a lot of spice there and you connect and you click and you just get going but it's that the awkward starting of a conversation that I, it, right now in my life, I am actually glad I waited a few weeks or months to, to record this just for that. Cause I, I just haven't had that in a long time, but there's definitely a person in my life right now where it's like, once things get going, they are cruising, but getting anything going is just so, so difficult for whatever reason. And it's a little bit of nerves. It's a little bit of, you know, not insecurity, but it's just a little bit of being unsure. And this vibe in the carriage was so fun for me where they're they're kind of just, you know, they want to talk to each other, you know, they want to connect and he's just going to pretend to sleep and they're going to talk about the weather and they're going to talk about the food at this inn. And you just you have it in the back of your head the second that they make that connection. It's just going to it's just going to spice up and it's going to be amazing. But getting there is so difficult. And I, I appreciated that so much. I found it to be very interesting that we didn't actually get to see the Bridgerton wedding at all, as far as I remember from reading chapter 13 a while back. Like, we didn't actually go to the wedding of the Duke and Daphne, and this makes sense insofar as it's kind of from Lady Whistledown is giving us a lot of uh, context and Lady Whistledown wasn't invited, so that makes sense. I do find it fascinating, though, that this was such a big part of the uh show this whole like getting the priest and doing it early and uh, anthony having and then, then anthony going in and then the duke having to make that big speech about how much he loves daphne and that stuff's just not in the book so we skip this wedding and we get to this carriage ride and already this this communication is fascinating it's the same kind of communication not problem but it's the same kind of communication thing that happens between people where she's 
She's expecting to stay in London for the night and go tomorrow morning, which makes perfect sense. And he's already made plans to just, you know, go take this whole carriage ride through the night to Cliveden. And they're kind of not on the same page about it. And they end up kind of stopping at an inn halfway through. I do enjoy the kind of travel discrepancy between real life now in 2023 and in the book because <laughs> they're, they're treating this carriage ride like it's a long haul flight from here to Shanghai. You know, I guess from here, I live in Vancouver, by the way, if you live near Shanghai, that would not be a long haul flight. But from where I am to Shanghai, is it's a long haul flight. So you're going to be on a plane for a while. And so they're treating it like that. Where it might be an eight to 12 hour carriage ride, but they're, they're treating it like they're cramped. They're stuck in the middle seat in economy. They did they had to pay $100 for their checked baggage and everything sucks. And that's how they're kind of uh, treating this carriage. And then they're going to have to stay at the inn and that has a whole bunch of problems. And then just this, this communication gap between them is, is fascinating. I genuinely enjoyed the idea of a weeks long honeymoon. Who, who among us would not want a weeks long honeymoon? This is the question though. Here's the question I have is how long is too long? for a honeymoon before it starts because everyone is aware of this honeymoon phase and you get the honeymoon phase all the time you get it at the beginning of a relationship that first month or two of a brand new relationship you don't have to worry about any of the problems you don't have to worry that much about being compatible you haven't met each other's families you haven't talked about your dreams your goals you, the, whatever where you want to live the kids you want to have that type of thing you haven't had to do any of that so it's just fun and it's new and it's exciting and eventually that starts to wear off a little bit and still fun and exciting and amazing but it's just a little less shiny and you find on the appreciation side it's not a surface level anymore you're not just appreciating like oh here's this person that they're very attractive to me and I just get to hang out with them you start appreciating the little things that they do the little you know the little quirks the things they like the food that they can cook like those types of things and you start to appreciate them on a deeper level but because you've had that time and that 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 space with them and because you have to start taking other things into account in a relationship assuming you're hoping that this relationship will continue you start to notice some of the flaws too and some of the things that you will have to compromise on and some of the things that you are going to have to work around and so there is this honeymoon phase and it does end and so that's at the beginning of a relationship but at the beginning of a marriage i find even more fascinating now i've never been married but the um the honeymoon phase at the beginning of a marriage i find fascinating because you're already in a relationship for a long time usually um, which is how you ended up getting married in the first place so what does that honeymoon phase look like where you're you're already aware of all the flaws and all the the things you have to compromise on and all the the quirks and whatever you're already aware of all that stuff and you have that deeper level of appreciation for them as a person because that's how you ended up getting married what does the honeymoon phase there look like what is that meant to be and how long is too long and so i, I thought weeks long sounded great like i would love to get married and just fucking love the person so much and just like go off to cancun for three weeks or just europe or you know what i mean like three to four weeks seems about right to me i do think there's a point though where your honeymoon phase is is almost too long where it's one of those like all good things have to come to an end all honeymoon phases have to kind of end a little bit and i think there is a point like like uh many tv shows where you can stretch it out too long right where you can be a little too much and so i really found this idea which is not the point of this book zero other people have read this book and thought huh i wonder how long is too long for a honeymoon but it just kind of stuck in my brain and i found it fascinating to think about a what the honeymoon phase of a marriage is like because that's just an experience i haven't had all the married people 
people are listening to this podcast be like it's not it's not that great dude don't look forward to it it's not that fun <laughs> we, we 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 went on a hike and it was fine you know what i mean so i'm sure that a lot of married people will have a lot of opinions but as someone who has never been married i just get to i just get to look forward to it in my youthful ignorance and I, i'm sure that while i won't get a week's long a honeymoon on a giant estate in Clive did. I, I, could, I think I'll be able to work something out. There was a moment where in uh, Simon's head, he calls her Daphne Bassett. And this moment is nice because he's kind of reminiscing about how the, you know, dukedom hasn't had a duchess in his lifetime and all that stuff and how she's going to be good at it and whatever. Uh, I just want to, I just want to put a line in the sand now. I just want to put a marker down. I just want to say we're, we're not vibing. We are not vibing with Daphne Bassett. It's not happening. It's never going to happen. Bridgerton only. I understand the naming rules. I understand how things work, but we're just, uh, I, just me on behalf of all of us, are, I'm just not fucking into it. So we're going to stick with Daphne Bridgerton at all times. Anyone or anytime anybody refers to Daphne as Daphne Bassett, um, we're going to have a problem. We're going to wave a red flag in the air and it's going to, we're going to cross it out in our books and we're going to replace it with Bridgerton. However, other phrases such as the Duchess is fine. We're okay with that. It's just that the Daphne Bridgerton feels right. Daphne Bassett feels wrong. And I just want to put that line in the sand now. So you all understand where we're at. I don't know if you can hear it now, but in the middle of this recording, the person next door has decided to mow their lawn with the world's loudest lawnmower powered by a Boeing 797 jet engine. So if you can hear that, I apologize, but we're just going to have to we're just going to have to make it through. If you can't hear it, then huzzah for audio technology and just my wizardry with the editing software. In this carriage, the Duke is horny ass, but he's respectably horny. He would like to have sex with his now wife. This makes perfect sense. Um, he would like it to be special, though, so he's not going to do it at the inn. He's not going to do it in the carriage. He even says the carriage is not an option. Uh, he's going to do it back at Cliveden, which, fair. However, I would just like to say, um, I don't know how y'all feel about this. We can, we can all have different opinions. I'm pretty pro-bed. I'm not going to lie to you on the, oh my goodness, this is one of those, you know what, these podcasts are getting real personal, aren't they? At some point I should stop doing this, but <laughs> okay, we're just going to go. Um, beds are great. 10 of the 10, love a bed when you're having sex. Wonderful. Showers suck. We can we can get rid of those. That They're tripping hazards. It's uncomfortable. It's just not, like, there's a certain amount of fun in, like, doing it somewhere interesting and different, and there's a certain amount of, like, intimacy and, like, having a shower with somebody i suppose but we're just like how and what situation are you in a shower that's not located near a bed you know what i mean like i think we can just pick the bed cars also suck there is a certain i guess i guess like when you are younger and you just got a car and it's kind of the only place you have that's yours and it's private it makes a lot of sense cars are great for those like spur of the moment like um people like it's your, your it's your first kind of rendezvous and you weren't expecting it and that can be kind of fun and exciting but broadly speaking cars kind of suck don't they like are we are we okay with cars do we if we're making a tier ranking it cars well below bed however i would like to add fuck off giant huge rich person's carriage i suspect i suspect that sex in this carriage would be pretty hot i suspect that they could have a comfortable fun an exciting sexual experience in this carriage and everybody involved would go, holy shit, that was sexy as hell. I feel good about that. I enjoyed that. And I just think the Duke is not fully 
thinking through his options here. Now we have to consider that Daphne has never done this before, so bed probably ideal for that. However, I just think you have a real chance to, to do something special here. This carriage can provide the, the right kind of extra, you know, what's it called? Pizzazz, the right extra, a little bit of spice, you know, when you're cooking food and you just add a little bit of salt and it's perfect. I just think that that's what the carriage could provide here. And the Duke is missing on an opportunity to do something wonderful. I will admit, though, it is quite wonderful that the Duke wants to make this first time special. I imagine most men in this world couldn't give a shit at all. So we're giving the Duke huge brownie points here. He understands uh, what a fun sexual or a fun experience having sex can be he understand he understands that you can both have pleasure from the experience so that's great and he's going to do a good job on that first time and we need to we need to acknowledge that that's a good thing i do enjoy very much during this carriage trip that uh and this might just be my experience i don't know what anyone else was like as a kid i i enjoy that the duke does his best like seven-year-old kid impression and that daphne has cottoned on to it but kind of just lets him do it like that's fucking adorable it's so cute i remember when i was a kid that I would try and sleep, pretend to sleep in the car. We would visit my great-grandmother, and she lived an hour away, both ways. So, like, two hours total driving if we were going to go and see her for an evening. And I would remember on the way back, uh, sometimes I would sleep, but sometimes I would pretend to sleep just to see if your parents would talk shit about you. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's in the car, the adults are in the car, and they're talking shit about their coworkers, they're talking shit about your relatives, and you're kind of just like... I wonder what they say about me. And so you close your eyes and you just like, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they got something in the bag about me. They want to say that they'll think I'm asleep and they'll just whisper it, but I'll hear it because I'm awake. And I just, that was the kind of game I played when I was like seven, eight, nine years old, driving back from Chilliwack, British Columbia, back into Vancouver. So that is, uh, that is what I related to with this this duke experience but this whole thing is adorable he doesn't know what to say he doesn't know how to start this conversation we've already uh, been over how wonderful i felt that is like a really relatable thing um so he's just going to pretend to be asleep daphne who has a bunch of siblings knows this trick it's the easiest trick in the book but kind of finds it cute kind of lets him do it and she kind of double what's the word when you think that they think that you think that they're gonna think that if he does this then she is like she's got that going on and she's like i know that if i cough he'll think that that is not enough to wake him up so we'll still pretend to be asleep and so she like goes through the options and just pokes him in the armpit fucking awesome like that's hilarious and then she thinks there's no way he is going to be able to think that he could possibly still be asleep so he's gonna wake up and then the next sentence is he wakes up and it's just so funny so this whole kind of uh, is he asleep is he not asleep thing was delightful Eventually, they get to this inn, and the first thing that happens at the inn was interesting. Simon is going in, and he wants two rooms, and the man only has the one room because he let the person with the kids in, and then he's thinking, like, it's not great to have a angry duke on my premises. That's not exactly good marketing. It's not good for business. And this is all happening from the point of view of Daphne, who's not sure what Simon's arguing about, but isn't sure if she should step in. And I admired the confidence for her to go and step in. I felt that that was a good character building moment for Daphne. She's never struck me as someone who's unconfident, but she does, you know, later in this chapter, strike me as someone who's unsure and is capable of feeling really stupid, even though it's not her fault. And so I just think in this moment for her to kind of go up and play the role almost of a duchess, of the person who's being diplomatic, of the of the manager of the situation. And then she also feels a little underappreciated here, a little unappreciated, I think it says in the book. And she's like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, man, my God, like we're married now. We're having one 
room, you fucking moron. Like, why are we, we're not kicking this. Is she, this is all like in her head and me. This is not something she says out loud. This is just me. This is me pretending to be Daphne from this chapter. If I was writing fan fiction, be like, what the fuck, dude? Come on. Like, we're married. We're having one bed. Who cares? Like, this is ridiculous. We're not kicking Martha and her brood out of the, is her name Martha? I don't know. We're not kicking Susie and the kids out of that other room. It's ridiculous. And then Simon eventually kind of capitulates to that and is good with the one room. And then the dude in the in the bar is like, oh, thank God. I don't want an angry Duke around. Just the, the whole thing was, was wonderful. I enjoyed it a lot. And this chapter kind of finishes in the room. This is where I thought the sex was going to start happening. But alas, we have to wait for the next chapter or the chapter after that. And, or maybe no one has sex in this book and the show is a lie and you all lied to me. But this conversation in this room is fascinating because everyone's coming to conclusions in the correct way, but those conclusions are just obviously different. And there's a huge gap with the information that Simon has versus what Daphne has. But Daphne is aware of this informational gap, which makes it interesting. And so Daphne, Daphne starts to say, you know what, dude, we don't have to wait till we get back to Cliveden. I'm more than happy for my first experience to be tonight. Um, and as she's talking through it, she all of a sudden feels like, I'm going to say a sense of shame, a sense of guilt, a sense of being very silly, because she thinks what she's done is kind of pressured him into doing something he can't do, right? She thinks that he can't have sex because mom told her the one of the one of the things that mom actually mentioned to fucking say to her is like yeah yeah something about sex and having kids like they're related the just one happens after the other one kind of i'm not gonna give you any more details <laughs> but she thinks that simon can't have it because he says he can't have kids and this information tracks and then she feels a deep sense of shame about that and simon um is obviously well, what the fuck are you talking about of course i can have sex i just said i can't have kids and there's there's a lot of reasons why people can't have kids. It doesn't have to be because that I uh, can't fulfill my marital duty. They also have this hilarious interaction where the, inf the, the Julia Quinn plays this information gap so well because Simon, who has clearly had sex a ton with a bunch of people, is pretty blasé about it. He's pretty like, ah, whatever. But she's very official about it. Daphne, who's never had sex, who hasn't even had it explained to her, who has like an inner monologue in this chapter of being pretty frustrated with mom, even though she comes to her defense. We're not, also, hold up, we're not defending Mama Bridgerton. This is fucking absurd. The I mean, little amount of information she gives Daphne about sex is ridiculous. Daphne wants to come to her defense, that's fine. I'm not going to, and you probably shouldn't either. Uh, but in this moment here, like Daphne is all official about it. And she's like, uh, so you can perform the call. She calls it like a marital act. And then Simon finds that funny. It's like, oh, so we're calling it an act now. But of course she would want to call it an act. That makes sense. And of course he would be like, what, what are we doing? Like, We're going to have sex. It's going to be wonderful. Don't make it sound so official. It's not going to be an act. What are we doing? We're not, we're not doing an act. We're making beautiful, sweet love, Daphne. Like this is, this is crazy. And so I <laughs> this whole interaction about whether it's an act or not an act is some of the best. When Julia Quinn is at her best, and, and look, I, I say this all the time, this is not a Pulitzer Prize winning book. Julia Quinn is not my favorite author after 270 pages, but she really understands. There are parts of her writing where she really understands the characters she has built and how they would react to 
situations, how they would interact with each other based on the information that they have. And it really helps with this story because this story is fundamentally, like, this chapter is fundamentally what I said at the beginning with like the door of the Explorer, like, oh no, the married couple has to share a room and they both are very attracted to each other. I bet you they're going to have sex in this romance novel that I'm writing. And so it kind of feels like that, but these kind of deeper character interactions that feel real in between those moments really help flesh out the world, really help flesh out the universe, and certainly help separate it from some of the worst romance novels out there. This is not going to be like Pride and Prejudice for me, <laughs> you know what I mean? However, this is so much better than a lot of the actual garbage that's out there, and it's moments like that interaction about whether sex is an act and whether that's funny or whether that's the thing you should call it and, and how that relates to the information they have it was just beautiful writing, and I, I really enjoyed that. There was a few absolute belters, one-liners in this chapter that had me howling again, Julia Quinn, at her best in this chapter, I think for sure. There was the moment when Daphne doesn't want to say it, like he's trying to, she's trying to explain why she thinks he can't have, uh, he, why he can't perform the marital act. And then he just thinks to himself, or he doesn't even think it to himself, he says it out loud, this has got to be why men avoid marriage. Fucking hilarious, really good one-liner there. Like Simon, who's so attracted to this woman and has no idea what's going on, and she's just vamping, and he's like, oh... My God, it's kind of like if I'm in a relationship with you and I start talking about Formula One, you know what I mean? This is what happens where like you just look at the person, the other person you're talking to and they're they, in their head. They've got to be going. And this is why people don't date Bradley, because he just fucking talks about Formula One and I hate cars and this sucks. And it's just that kind of thing, you know. And so I I appreciated that. And then there was the other line after she says, you're unable to consummate the marriage, where where it goes, where it goes, it's a wonder, it was a wonder his erection didn't die off instantly, which I don't know what's funnier, that line just being in that part of the book or the fact that the book is implying that he was still like still like rock hard during this like she's explaining to him why she thinks he can't have sex and there nothing can turn him off he is turned on there is nothing that's turning him off he's just he's soldiering on to the inevitable end of the evening and there's nothing Daphne can do to to change his mind and so it's just so that line was so funny to me there's just so many layers like an onion you can just peel that line back it's a wonder his erection didn't fall off instantly or whatever just fucking great oh i love that line that I'm truly truly back to back they're on the same page too back to back laugh out loud moments on the same page is some of my it's some of the most fun you can have while reading you know and I think that's going to be it for this chapter. Just a wonderful, wonderful chapter. Delightful reading about it. Delightful spending the last half an hour podcasting about it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for your patience, by the way. I, I just hope you understand that, you know, sometimes podcasting has to take a back seat. I'm hopefully going to record a few episodes today. I have a full day off and I want to read this book. So I'm hoping I can get a few episodes kind of in the bag. That way we don't have to go through long breaks of Bridgerton anymore. And I will try my best to figure out how I want to tackle this new Queen Charlotte show. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, go go leave one of those reviews i would love for you to leave a review so i can read it out on the podcast uh, go check out the patreon if you want early access to stuff go check out the facebook or if you want to hang out with some cool people I, I appreciate you all so much thank you so much for listening to this and i'll see you next time for chapter 15 where people better fuck that is that that I, I swear to god if nobody has sex in the next i'm going to read it right now and in about 30 minutes, I will either be stoked or very angry. You won't know about it for like a week or two.
but I am going to be pissed off or stoked or happy or whatever word you want to use. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next one.